0: Mark chapter 11 verse number 22 it says this Mark 11:22 in the NIV says this have faith in God Jesus answered truly I tell you if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that those that and believes that what they say will happen it will be done for them therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer Believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's kind of interesting there. He talks about the prayer of faith, and he talks about our need to forgive before the prayer of faith will operate. A lot of people ask me all the time, well, you know, I prayed in faith and nothing happened. Well, the first thing that I do when I pray in faith and see no results, first thing I look is look inward. Yeah, Notice he says, and when you stand praying this prayer of faith, when you are petitioning the Lord for those needs and requests in your life, while you're doing that, you also need to look inside and make sure there's no unforgiveness in your life because if there's unforgiveness, that's going to hinder your ability to pray correctly and effectively in faith. On Sunday mornings, we've been teaching on the lesson of forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness. In these lessons, we've looked at these truths, and here they are. Number one, regardless of how loyal and loving we try to be, in life, someone is going to let us down. Someone's going to lie to us. Someone's going to betray us or reject us. You can't get around it. It's called life. Don't be surprised Christians all the time. I can't believe this happened and they they get down on their faith because somebody did them wrong. It's called life. And it matters not how good you are, or how wonderful you are, or how nice you try to be. Someone's going to do you wrong. It's just called life. Number 2. Abuse, misuse and betrayal hurts. Don't let anybody tell you it doesn't hurt. I don't care how spiritual you are, it still hurts. And often it causes wounds in our life. But the Lord desires to completely heal the wounds which we have suffered. None of us have gone through a rejection or a betrayal or a failure. Someone's done us wrong that the Lord does not or cannot heal us of that. Completely heal us. So if you're dealing with a wound today because someone has done you wrong or abused you, it might have been in your childhood. I want you to understand God's will for your life is to be healed. He really wants you well. Number three, because of things that happen in life, some relationships get broke and can never be put back the same. Yet your Heavenly Father can make all things new. Okay? Okay. Some people you will have a, broken, a brokenness with. The, the relationship will be fractured because of something that happened. And it can't be put back together the way it was before the incident occurred. And a lot of Christians live in regret over that for the rest of their life. Well, my marriage broke up and I, it, I can never get it back together. And and so I'm just uh, second class. I'm used material. I've heard all that before. I want you to know God is able to heal you of your brokenness of your past and make everything new for you in the future. Okay? Number four, extending forgiveness is necessary. To remove the pain and the memory of the hurtful event from our life. You're always going to live with it unless you forgive. Yeah. The reason I encourage people to forgive when people have done them wrong is not so they can get to heaven and really have anything to do with it. I encourage them to, to forgive, not because it will bless the person who offended them. I encourage them to forgive so that they can move on in life. Extending forgiveness releases the pain and the memory of, of the hurtful event. Number five, these things we've already taught. If you have not heard this before, you haven't been here, but for 1995 and again, Zoo Knife, you can get my latest teaching on how to forgive that sucker that did you wrong. All right, number five. Number five, for the Christian, extending forgiveness is not optional. It is required, but it's not easy. Okay? It's not optional. You've got to forgive them. You don't have a choice. Your heart wants to forgive them. Your heavenly Father wants to forgive them. Your flesh might not want to. But your heart, the Jesus that lives inside of you, you're born again spirit. You have a desire to forgive them, but it's not easy. Number six, forgiveness puts an end to the pain of the hurt. Forgiveness puts an end to the pain of the hurt. The biblical word forgive means to cancel. It means to send away. It means to remit. It means to dismiss. It means to release. And when I refuse to forgive someone who has offended me or hurt me or abused me or done me wrong, I allow the abuse. I allow that rejection. I allow that betrayal which happened in an event maybe days or years ago. If I don't forgive them, that hurt and that pain stays present in my life. But if I forgive them, I send it away. I cancel its effects over me. So forgiveness puts an end to the pain of the hurt. When I forgive someone that's wronged me, I release them from the wrong that's controlled me. I canceled the abuse's effects in my life. I dim- dismissed the pain from continuing to plague me. And I send away the reoccurring nightmare of that hurtful event. I've had people done Amanda and I wrong, and it'll be months later, and we forgive them. Months later, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. You know how you do when you wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep, your mind gets to, to working on you. And all of a sudden, I'll get a replay nightmare Of that event, and I am able to say, "No, I'm I'm not thinking about that." I forgave them. That's old news. Satan, bring up something new. That's old news. I forgave them months ago. Number seven, forgiveness extended results in forgiveness received. Forgiveness extended given to others results in forgiveness. Receive. Notice what he says, Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. See, forgiveness extended means that I receive forgiveness. Number eight. Forgiveness, if I walk in forgiveness, it protects me from spiritual decay. Forgiveness protects me from spiritual decay. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 says this. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Well, that's something the church needs to hear nowadays. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or not. If you're not holy, you're not going to see the Lord. I didn't say that. I'm not judging you. That's what the Word says. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look, verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. Now notice this phrase. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupting many. Notice what happens. If we allow unforgiveness to fester, to remain, to grow in our life, notice it says it will turn into bitterness and it will trouble us. And it will corrupt other people as well. So forgiveness protects me from spiritual decay. Number nine, forgiving is not easy. Forgiving is a decision of our will. Once that decision is made, it will take time for your feelings and our emotions to catch up with our decision to forgive. One of the things I hear all the time, I thought I'd forgave them, Pastor, but then I saw them in the supermarket, and all those feelings resurfaced again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, just because you have those feelings doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. Because, see, forgiveness is a decision of your will. I choose to forgive them. I choose to release them. It will take some time for your emotions and for your feelings to catch up with that decision. All right. You, on the inside, you choose according to your will. I choose to forgive them. I release them for what they did to me. But still, because the pain is so severe and hurtful, your feelings, it will take some time for your feelings and emotions to catch up. And when I have that happen, when people have done us wrong, and we see them in the supermarket, and those feelings rise up again as if it happened to me yesterday, what I used to do is I would run home and cry and feel bad about myself. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I thought I'd forgive them. I'm so sorry. And I'd cry and I'd condemn myself that I hadn't forgiven them until the Lord taught me this truth. And now when I see somebody, I'll run to them. And I will not give in to my feelings. I'll run to them and greet them in the Lord and ask them how they're doing. And try to resist and reject and neglect any bad feelings I have. Just run right through that and determine by me acting that way in faith toward them out of love instead of giving in to my feelings. I'm saying to my emotions, my spirit man is going to rule me, not my emotions are not going to rule me. See? So I just run to them. And I hug them. How you doing? You doing alright? Of course, they're, they're usually kind of, oh man. Because they they know they're a sucker and they've done me wrong. So, I you know, I kill them with kind, keep a of kindness on their head, you know. And then I walk away and I say, there you go, devil. There you go, devil. There you go. I never will forget we had a guy in Allgood that started up a lot of trouble against the church and he lived about a block away from the church and he didn't like that the church was growing and building. He wrote letters to the editor about the church in the little paper there. He called us in before the city council. He had two or three city council people that he was buddies with, and they were always filing some complaint against us and getting the neighbors worked up. They even picketed outside of our church one time and and uh uh and I just didn't know what to do. And finally, one day, uh, uh, he was—we um, had a lot across the street from his house, and my facilities manager came to me and said, "Pastor, Pastor," he said, "We got a problem." I said, "What is it?" What he said, "Well, he called the fellow's name. He said uh, he was mowing our lot." I said, "Well, why was he mowing our lot?" He said, well, I asked him, why are you mowing our lot? This is our lot. He said, well, you don't keep it the way I want it. It's right across from my house. You won't take care of your property, so I'm going to mow it. At least I don't have to look out of here and see a jungle. Oh, my goodness. And he said, but, Pastor, what happened, he hit a root, and that root threw his blade up through the deck of his mower, and he's underneath his mower, and his mower's ruined. My first impression was, Yes. <laughs> Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. God will get your mower if you mess with the man of God. That's what my flesh, in fact, I said to my facilities manager, Well, I guess he got his due. And I chuckled. He said, What do you want to do? I said, We ain't doing nothing. I'm not going to touch him. God's judgment is coming upon him. He's destroyed his lawnmower. <laughs> my facility manager just walked off, and it was a Wednesday. I never will forget it. And I was preparing for my Wednesday night lesson, and I started to write some more notes, and all of a sudden it was like I hit a wall. And i have been in a good flow up to that moment, and I just hit a wall, and I just pushed back and said, man, these staff members, they're always interrupting me, are always interrupting me. When I'm trying to study. And I started writing again. I couldn't get anywhere. And then I know the spirit of God. I just pushed back. I said okay, okay, okay. What's happened? What's, ha- what's happened since he came in here and told me that Lord? I can't, I can't concentrate. I can't think. I, don't, I can't remember where I was. What's happened here? And I heard the spirit of God say. Buy him a new lawnmower. I remember saying, "I ain't buying that guy no lawnmower." <laughs> He's been talking about me. He's been talking about the church. It's cost the church money. People have turned against because of him. I'm not buying him no lawnmower. And I just started writing again, and it got nowhere. And I heard again, "Buy him a new lawnmower." So I called the. I called the. Uh, Facilities manager in. I said, come here. Got him on the walkie talkie. That's back before we had, everybody had cell phones. We had walkie talkies. We were big time. I called him on the walkie talkie. I said, hey, come here. So he came in, mom. He said, yes, Pastor. I said, uh, what kind of lawnmowers he got? He said, uh, I think it was a Murray. I said, how much of them Murray lawnmowers? <laughs> he said, well, he had a riding mower. It's probably $350, $400. I said, that much? He said, yeah. I said, where you get them? He said, we can get them at Walmart. I said, well go over at Walmart and get him a Murray riding lawnmower. He looked at me and said, You want to buy him a new lawnmower? I said, Don't ask me any questions. Just go buy him a lawnmower. He said, Right now? I said, right now, do you want me to ask him? No, just go get him a lawnmower. Bring it to him. Take the church trailer, go get it, truck, go get him, get him a lawnmower. Just go and do it. All right, he left. I felt good, and I remember saying, there, you happy? (laughs) And I started writing again, and it hit again another wall. I said, okay, come on, come on. I'm buying him a lawnmower. What is it? I heard these words. You say, you're lying. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. Manda will confirm it happened just like this. I heard the spirit of God say, buy him a John Deere. I said, a John Deere? I don't even have a John Deere. I'm the man of God. (laughs) Amanda has a little Ford with a cup holder. We can't afford a John Deere. I'm not going to buy that guy no John Deere. And then I blamed it on the board. What would the board say if I buy, buy him a John Deere? And I just kept buying my John Deere. I wrestled with that for 30 minutes. Finally I called for the facilities manager. I said, and he he didn't answer his walkie talkie. And I asked the office manager, I said, Where is he at? She said, He went to Walmart. I said, Oh yeah, he went to Walmart. So I called Walmart and I called for the Home and Garden Center. I said, You got a guy? And I explained to him and they said, Oh yeah, they called it they knew him. They called him by name, said, Yeah, he's here. I said, Tell him to come to the phone. So I waited about five minutes. All of a sudden, yeah. I said, this is Pastor. I said, have you bought that lawnmower Yeah, He said, no, we're just looking at them right now. I was going to call you and ask you which one you wanted to get. I said, just forget it. He said, we're not going to get him one? I said, yeah, go and buy him a John Deere. A silence went on the line. He said, Pastor, do you know how much those cost? I said, how much do you? No, I have no idea. I've never had a John Deere. I don't know anything about them. I just know they're green. He said, I just, I just looked at one for the church, and they're $2,300, the small one. I said, I'll call you right back. <laughs> Stay right there. I hung up the phone, and I got down on my knees. I said, Lord, come on. If this is, not, if this is you, this is going to make a great story one day. But if this is not you, I'm going to get fired over this. And the Spirit of God just impressed upon me to do it. So I called him back. I said, leave Walmart, go to John Deere and buy him one. He said, what kind? I said, I don't care what kind. Get him the smallest riding mower they have and buy him a John Deere. He called me about an hour and a half to two hours later as he was leaving John Deere. He said, Pastor, I got it. He says, I'm heading that way. I said, okay. So I gave him about ten minutes to get from the John Deere over to the church. And I went up to our new sanctuary, and they had glass walls around it. And I looked down because I could see the guy's house. And I saw our facilities manager in the church truck pulling the John Deere in the trailer. And I saw him come by the church. He turned and went down and turned into the driveway of the man. I'm up there. I'm not going. He told me, don't you ever come on my property again. So I wasn't going, but I was watching. Mr. Courageous hiding behind the door. God loves you. Uh, uh, All of a sudden, I see our man go up to the front porch. He comes out of the front porch. Next thing I know, I see them going and looking at the trailer, and they're looking at the John Deere. And I'm thinking, is he going to take it? Is he going to kick him off the property? What's he going to do? And then I saw the trailer turn down, and they pulled it off the trailer few minutes later, he comes up, my facilities manager comes up, brings the truck and empty trailer up. He finds me. He said, pastor, you're not going to believe what's happened. I said, what happened? He says, I pulled up and he said, what am I doing? He said, the church wants to bless you with a new lawnmower. We're sorry. Yours got hurt or got broken, destroyed on our property. We want to give you a new lawnmower. He said he was so overwhelmed he started weeping and crying. He said, nobody has ever given me anything and I've always had a dream of one day having a John Deere. Months passed, we didn't hear no, no more letters to the editor. No more complaints. And it came harvest party time, and we had 3,000 people at our harvest, fall harvest party, and we had big hay rides. And we had these big tractor trailers with hay ride, hay on the back of the flatbeds, and we had two of them. And they would circle the community and come back and let kids off and families and put more on. And they took off for the first time, and I was waving at all of them. And there's about a 20-minute around the little town And when they came and made the first circle around, here comes the two tractors and the trailers. And then behind them is this white truck with flashing yellow lights. And I thought, well, who is that? I didn't see them leave. And when they went by, it was the man, the plumber, who was the man who hated us, and his wife. They were following, flashing their lights. And I'm thinking, oh my God, oh, here we go again, here we go again, what have we done now? And that next 20 minutes was one of the worst 20 minutes of my life. And then they came back around, they stopped, they're letting families off. He parks behind with his flashing yellow lights. And I tentatively walk up to his car and I say, called him by name, Mr. Bill, are you, is something wrong? He said, Nothing wrong, pastor. He never called me a pastor. He called me you, you preacher, other selective names. He said, there's nothing wrong, pastor. We just saw these children having a good time, and we don't want anybody to run up on them. And if you don't mind, we're just going to follow them with our lights on. I said, you go right ahead. Three years later, I'm gone from there. I'm overseer of the Assemblies of God. For the state of Tennessee. I'm setting my office. And the phone rings. And it's one of the associate pastors. Of Trinity Assembly. He said pastor. I'm in the hospital room. Called him with Mr. Bill. and Called him his last name. He says he's a day away from dying. And he wanted me to call you. And tell you. That he's accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he wanted you to know. (laughs) Sometimes forgiving is not easy. Sometimes forgiving is some of the most difficult things you will do. And your emotions will not want to give in with your heart to forgive. But over time, if you will get your emotions under control, your emotions will come in line with a heart to forgive. It won't happen overnight, but it eventually come in line. Let's take just a minute or two to break some new ground. I've got five minutes. How many of you have had someone do you wrong or abuse you or steal from you, betray you or falsely accuse you? Anybody had anybody do you that way? Okay, those of you who've had somebody do you that way. I mean, have any of you had any of those people to come back and ask forgiveness? Raise your hand. A few of you. And that's easy to forgive them sometimes. But have you ever had someone do hurtful things to you and they were aware of what they did to you and yet never asked forgiveness? Anybody ever had anybody? Those people are the hard ones to forgive. They know what they did, you know what they did. they know the pain they caused. you know the pain they caused, and they refuse to ask for forgiveness. Those people are the hard ones for our flesh to forgive in all my years, i can 't recall ever hesitating in extending forgiveness to someone who humbly asked, who humbly asked me to forgive them for a wrong they had done to me or my family. when I see Repentance, and I see general humble attrition, my heart wants to forgive people. Manda and I have been stolen from. We've been gossiped about more than we can number. And several times we've had individuals return to us and genuinely ask forgiveness. And to extend forgiveness to those people, it's a pretty simple thing to do. But then you have those scoundrels who take advantage of you. They betray you, they take from you, and they never apologize to you. In fact, they blame you for living. You know what I'm talking about? It's those folks that I wrestle with, with my flesh to extend forgiveness to. And over the years, I've discovered I was confused about what forgiveness was and what it isn't. So let's talk for just a second and let me help you with what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not? Forgiveness is not approval or giving in. Forgiveness is not approval or giving in. To approve is to willingly accept. If you don't want the hurt to be repeated to you or others, then don't approve of it. Often I hear people put pressure on a spouse or a partner or to approve their ungodly behavior or their shady actions. The comment comment will come out like this. Well, if you forgive me, you will go along with me on this. No, approval is not forgiveness. Approval is acceptance. Forgiveness is not. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting. You have to understand that. People say it all the time. I see it on social media. Well, if you really forgive, you'll forget. No, you won't. You won't either forget. You've got a memory that works pretty good. One of the errant myths regarding forgiveness is if you forgive someone, you will forget all about it. That's a myth regarding forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision of your will. Forgetting is an exercise of your memory. Forgiveness will take place instantly. Forgetting is a process. Forgiving takes place instantly. It's a decision of your will. Forgetting is a process. It's an exercise of your memory. Remember to take a while for your emotions and feelings to catch up with the decision of your will. Number three, forgiving is not justifying. It's not justifying. There can be a million reasons why people hurt you and do you wrong, but that has nothing to lessen the hurt. Knowing what happened is a fact and may help you understand people and their actions, but facts are not forgiveness. People say to me all the time, if I could just figure out why they did it to me, maybe that would help me forgive them. Forgiving is not justifying. It really doesn't matter why they did it to you. It has nothing to do with forgiving. If they did it and and intentionally did it, or if they did it and did not intentionally do it, you still got to forgive them. Either way. Number four, here's one. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. If reconciliation or restoration comes after forgiveness has been extended, that's wonderful, that's great. But reconciliation is not a prerequisite for forgiveness. Forgiveness, now listen to this, forgiveness is complete by itself. Reconciliation is wonderful, but it's entirely separate from forgiveness. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, you've heard it. Well, you'd let me come back over. You'd start dating me again. You'd let me, you'd let me do this. I'll know you forgive me if you let me do this. Now, you're talking about two different things. One's reconciliation, one's forgiveness. They are totally separate things. Here's one, number five. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is a gift given. Trust is a benefit earned. Forgiveness is a gift given. I choose to forgive you. Whether I trust you or not is dependent upon what you do for me or do to me or how you live and how you behave. Forgiveness is not trust. Well, if you forgive me, you'll trust me. No, I forgive you for what you did. I release you from the past, but I'm not going to let you have the benefits of my trust until you earn that. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. Forgiveness means we have come to terms with what has been done or said to us, but forgiveness does not mean you trust the person as you did in days before. Number six, forgiveness is not getting even. Now, I got family members, they think that's forgiveness. Hit me, I'm going to hit you. Beat me up, I'm going to beat you up. Steal from me, I'm going to steal from you. We forgive them when we get them back. Forgiveness is not getting even. First of all, you can never get even. Some believe they'll feel complete or whole when there is justice. But forgiveness is not based on outward circumstances. Listen to this, listen. Forgiveness never comes our way because punishment, revenge, or justice goes their way. You see it all the time. People have somebody murdered or killed, and it's a terrible thing, a terrible thing. And they'll say, I'll forgive them when justice has been done. Forgiveness never comes your way when justice goes somebody else's way. So that's what forgiveness is not. Let me tell you what forgiveness is real quickly. Forgiveness is costly. It's going to cost you something to forgive. It takes time and effort to forgive. You must give up your right to get even or the right to hold a grudge. It's going to cost you something. If you're going to forgive, it's, it's a costly thing. It's a costly thing. Number two, forgiveness is acknowledging you're hurt. Until we accept that we were hurt, then forgiveness cannot begin. Forgiveness is seeing the pain for what it is. Forgiveness is coming to terms with who did it. And what they did, considering all the painful facts, you choose to forgive and move on. People say it to me all the time. I say, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. But then they treat you different. Well, you know something's wrong. Well, did this hurt? Did this hurt? No, I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. And then they treat you wrong. Listen, you can't start forgiveness until you acknowledge, I'm hurt. That bothered me. That offended me. And until you acknowledge that, well, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I can't forgive them if I hear about it. You can't forgive them until you know the facts. Forgiveness is acknowledging the hurt. Number three, forgiveness is showing mercy. The word mercy means compassion and forbearance toward an offender when it's within your power to punish or condemn. You have the power. They did you wrong. You could hold a grudge against them for the rest of your life. You can go after them and you can get them. You can talk about them just like they talked about you. But I'm going to show them mercy when I have the power to condemn them. That's forgiveness. Here's one. I don't like this one. Forgiveness is not keeping record of wrongs. I like my list. Forgiveness is not keeping a record of wrongs. Forgiveness is burying the list and not bringing it up again. Listen, husbands and wives, you can't keep digging that stuff up. You can't keep pulling it out of the closet and remind if you really forgive, you don't bring it back up again. All right? You haven't forgiven if you keep bringing the list out. Number five, forgiveness is living free from the moment of hurt or failure. So many folks say they've forgiven, but it doesn't take them long to replay it all over again after you've just met them a few moments. They'll tell you everything that so-and-so did to them, and it happened 15 years ago. When you've really forgiven, eventually you'll live free from that hurt and failure. Number six, forgiveness is an attitude and a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a choice in which we think forgiveness and we act forgiveness. When forgiveness becomes a lifestyle, we don't have to weigh each situation and decide if we're going to forgive or not. Some of you have people on the scales of justice every single day. And you watch them to see if they're going to say something or do something that offends you. And everything they say, everything they wear, everything they do, the inflection of your voice is setting on the scales of your justice. And that's not a lifestyle of forgiveness. When you and I operate in a lifestyle of forgiveness, we don't consider what somebody's going to say or do to us. We just live walking in forgiveness. Stand with me, would you?